This podcast is brought to you in part by our partner, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is a free app that allows the user and creator to record and edit their podcast right there from your phone or computer. It also allows you to distribute your podcast across the globe to everyone that wants to listen to it on different distribution networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other networks. It has all, all your needs and tools all in one stop shop. So go ahead, please. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and have a great day. Good evening and welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm the one, the only Tim Wilkins here to review the 7th, July 6th, 2022 AEW Dynamite episode. Honestly, probably one of the, I would say 50-50 on the episode. It wasn't. Too terrible to watch. Not exactly the most exciting. Had some kind of expected results, as I would say. But in reality, it is probably one of the uh, episodes of... It makes sense to the booking side, but it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to the national public, I don't think. Uh, In reality... It really was kind of an up and down show, and it, and it kind of shows kind of how the progression of the story, the storylines are going. You can kind of tell a little bit that there's some, uh, in my personal view, some uh, some development of the storylines by the wrestlers themselves instead of the booking uh, side of things. But really, a, a kind of a 50-50 show, in my opinion. The preview of the show had, obviously, the main event, John Moxley versus Brody King, who won the 20-man Battle Royale on AEW Rampage that I did a review on. Probably the most confusing Battle Royale I ever watched. Excuse me. Uh, so the, that was the main event. Then you had Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship in a street fight. Then you had the newly formed team that kind of uh, was – Built last Friday night with Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, aka Thunderstorm, really cliche name, versus Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir. And then you have uh, the Butcher and the Blade versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, which is an underneath match. And then you have uh, a promo with Christian Cage and Luchasaurus as well. And, and, and to be fair, like I said, it was really a 50-50 show in regards to quality wrestling and just downright stupidity. And I will say it right here. It is probably the symbol of the night when you open up the show with one of your biggest stars to try to capture the rating of the Big Bang Theory reruns from TBS. And I'm going to go through this now. Scorpio Sky and Warlow open up the show with their fight, with their street fight for the AEW TNT Championship. Honestly, probably one of the shortest street fights I've ever seen. Match only goes about eight or nine minutes to the top of the hour. And it's obviously a kind of a squash style uh, with a use of 
the belt uh, from Scorpio Sky. Obviously, the heel in this situation. Um, you know, it, it just kind of after the kick out of the title hit on Wardlow, it kind of goes into a squash. It goes into the powerbomb symphony for the finish. And it kind of, like I said, it was only one of the shortest street fights. And usually you'd use a street fight for a little bit of a hardcore weapon usage, that kind of deal. And in reality, it didn't go that way. And it really was a short eight-minute squash match that was a billed as a street fight, which it could have been billed a little bit longer, in my view. Uh, and maybe some of these other matches or segments could have been cut all the way out of the show. Uh, obviously, after that, it goes into a promo segment with John Moxley and his usual boiler room, stealing it from Mick Foley style from 1993 or 1995 uh, with the mankind gimmick, and we we really kind of doesn't make any sense. And that, and that part of the matter is I really don't need to see multiple promos for a heavyweight championship fight that is billed the way it's been billed. And it's kind of a, it's not a long passion storyline. It's very quick and very subtle. And what I mean by that is you'll see later in the show as well that they do a promo with Malachi Black and Brody King with the House of Black. And it's really like, what in the fuck are we doing here? Like, why? Why are we wasting our time? Like, no reason for it. Um, we obviously come back from the break after that promo segment. And here comes another promo segment. Because whoever writes these shows is really just, oh, it hurts my soul. Um, it goes into a smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese have an offer for Keith Lee to sign this petition to get Swerve Strickland thrown out of the AEW. Obviously, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are partners. They play on that later on down the road. Um, then it goes to another promo segment, which is Christian Cage with the newly monster heel, Luchasaurus. And he cuts a promo. In my opinion, Christian Cage is a really solid heel. Um, does their mic work. And it's kind of like, what the heck goes on with this segment? Enters Matt, Matt Hardy comes in and obviously interrupts Christian Cage. And he basically says, Christian, he's unreal like the Michael Jordan of being an asshole, which is probably the coolest one-liner I've seen in a long time. But it just... Christian kind of goes... He goes into a heel promo here and brings up the Jeff Hardy uh, situation with the sobriety and, and other things. And you can tell that there's obviously some mutual understanding here. You can bring it up. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Because if it didn't really hurt the feelings, it wouldn't have been brought up. Because uh, if it didn't get underneath Matt's skin, it probably would have been used. Matt's one of those few guys in the wrestling world that 
it doesn't really float for him, it's not going to be used. So uh, the promo gets kind of deal, and they and they go ahead and kind of do this weird attack on Matt Hardy, a two on one. Luchasaurus hits him with a headbutt, and they go to the floor, and they put uh, Matt Hardy through the timekeeper's table, and then they cut to a blood and guts recap. Like I said, the AEW really needs to do a better job of structuring their shows here because that is literally three segments of interview and promo with no in-ring action. Okay, in-ring action, I mean like wrestling match, not not like a beatdown. Uh, and then it goes after the recap. Still hasn't gone to commercial break yet. It goes to Tony Schiavone between, with an interview between Claudio Casanoli, or better known as Cesaro, and Jake Hager, or Jack Swagger uh, from WWE, if you want to go down that road. Um, it doesn't really matter to me on that segment because it's a waste of time. Uh, the next segment, or next next thing they kind of go into, they transition to, is a match between the Butcher and the Blade. Um... It's Butcher and the Blade versus Swerve Strickland uh, and uh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee, in my opinion, should be really a big monster heel for his size and for his agility. But they don't use him correctly by any means. Um, and you can tell. Uh, it's blatantly obvious. And it's so apparent in the way they structure the style of match as well. Um, they obviously, like I said earlier, they, they play on this whole Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee um, tension, and they do have a uh, they do have a, a portion of the match where they do a spot where Keith Lee's about to do the pounce, and unfortunately, Blade moves and it hits Swerve Strickland out of the ring, and they continue. Um, like I said, it, it being from Rochester, New York. Uh, Butcher and Blade are used, in my personal view, as job guys. They do work. They do a really good job inside of uh, the ring. And, and it makes sense because they can basically work with anybody. And uh, they're being in Rochester, New York, and being from the upper state New York area, it makes sense for those guys to be in the ring. It's, uh, it's a hometown crowd for them. And they get them on national television to expose some exposure. So uh, Keith Lee... And uh, Swerve Strickland win. And they do, of course, it would be AEW without an afterbirth. Some kind of swerve-ish stupidity factor. And here comes Powerhouse Hobbs and Absolute Ricky Stocks. It's Stocks, okay? It's Stocks. Uh, they're tired of getting disrespected. And they're, you know, they're proving that they're the one of the best tag teams in the division. Yada, yada, yada. You want to talk basically the line that opens up this segment. You can tell it's a young buck segment. Is you want to talk about who the best tag team in the world is, and then here comes the stupid introduction of the young bucks music, and they do their stupid walk, and they kind of go on this shitty promo of saying, "Oh yeah, I built this company," and yada yada yada, and. 
So they're going to do a triple threat tag team match for the AEW Championship tag team belts. But during the promo, what kind of, I would say personally, what makes me smile during this promo has nothing to do with what the Young Bucks said or did. It's literally the crowd chanting FTR, 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 FTR. And then the Young Bucks go, yeah, they're better than FTR, and the crowd should know that. In reality, they're not. The Young Bucks are nowhere near on the same page as over in the wrestling world right now than FTR. FTR, as a tag team, as a person that follows the wrestling enough, FTR is a an amazing match when you get to watch. And later in the night, they actually announce, and I'll say it because I'm not going to talk about it later on either, is they talk about the Ring of Honor show in Massachusetts. And that kind of, they're building that card. And it's FTR versus the Briscoes is going to be done again. And if anyone watched the first one, and it's just really going to be a fun, in my opinion, that might be a better show to watch than the last pay-per-view that AEW put on. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Like I said, after that little scenario, scenario with the Young Bucks and all this other shit, Malachi Black promo gets put on. Um, seg- the promo gets played. It's a pre-recorded, and uh, then it comes out of the break with that with Eddie Kingston and Tony Schiavone. Uh, Kingston comes out and congratulates Wardlow on his title win, and then congratulates everybody on the team that won, including Claudio. Which, if you're a wrestling fan, you understand that Claudio Casagnoli or Cesaro and Eddie Kingston are not exactly the best of friends from their time on the independent scene. But they get the job done. Um, the reason why this segment kind of sucks here is that, you know, Kingston's trying to cut a promo, and this one Kingston's about to get started. It cuts out to Jericho on the Tron. And, uh, and it basically, they do attack on Ruby Soho. And it really, Ruby Soho... Really solid, really nice wrestler, Roby Soho. So is Tay Conti. Tay Conti has done a lot of great work as well. Um, I'm not judging her on her relationship with Sammy Guevara. I'm not. I'm not gonna go down that personal avenue road bullshit. It's it's the two personal two people want to be in a relationship with each other. That's their own business. Uh, they do that segment where Tay Conti slams the door, a car door on Ruby Soho's hand, stomach, whatever you want to call it. It looks pretty botched. Uh, like they didn't know, they didn't pre-plan this shit at all. And didn't work through it because it looked like they hit her in the stomach, but they said it, he got hit her on their hand. So obviously the announcers weren't predisposed to anything. The production people weren't really privy to what cameras to use. It kind of... It, that, that segment could have been redone or just cut out of the show. Same thing goes with the Young Bucks thing. I know they're going to do that. This segment, the next segment, in my opinion, this is not a disrespect to the late, great uh, Brody Lee, but this segment could have very well been done on Rampage, the taping for Rampage. 
or it could have been done on dark or elevation. This did not need to be on the two-hour show of AEW Dynamite. They come back from the commercial after that whole Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho scenario, and they come out with a dark order. Obviously, they're in Rochester, New York, which is the uh, area where Brody Lee was from. Uh, makes no questions about it. And Dark Order, they basically, uh, Evil Unos does a promo. And basically saying that all six of them are there to stay. And they begin a new chapter with a proclamation, and it should be Brody Lee Jr. to say it. QT Marshall, or Marshall, whatever the fuck he wants to be known as. And QT Marshall hits a kind of a promo on Brody Lee's kid, which I don't even know why we're having this kid on television anymore. Um, this, like I said, no disrespect to his family or anything. And what he went through uh, with the loss of his father, but it doesn't need to be on national two-hour television show. It could have been on a live event after the, you know, could have been on a rampage, could have been on dark, could have been on elevation. So make a long story short here. They continue on this little charade. QT Marshall does a little promo. Then here comes Hangman Adam Page, Adam Page and Marshall into a scuffle they throw him back in the ring and uh basically it's an ass whooping and then after that segment's over jim ross comes out for the second hour aw dynamite which i'm not sure if they're uh in my opinion experimenting on the uh how do i put it here lightly on the three-man team with Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and Taz. I think Taz is phenomenal on the microphone in the booth. Excalibur and him can probably do it by themselves without Jim Ross or without Tony Schiavone, in my opinion. And just have Tony Schiavone do backstage segments. Like, that's where I think it it's, makes better sense, in my view. But Jim Ross, obviously, in my, my view, is they're kind of pushing him. Not really pushing him, but he might be pushing himself away from the booth and kind of being more of a uh, – he's been around the block a long time. Might, might be sprucing him up a little bit to kind of make him go through this. Uh, so they go in the second hour, AEW Dynamite. It's Penta Oscuro versus Roosh, or better known as Rush. Uh, both guys are really predominant from the Lucha, Lucha Libre style of Mexico. Uh, really good back-and-forth match. Uh, a lot of – like I said, it's a Lucha Libre style. Um uh, just some weird spots along the way, kind of a different stylistic style of wrestling. And uh, really can't, I can't really complain with the match at all. It's just the way this, you know, they did a, they did a, they went to a commercial break during halfway through this match. And, uh, you know, it, it's trading headbutts, jumping knees, a lot of fast, fast action and you see a, a kind of a heel manager move with uh, Andrade El Idolo puts Roosh's uh, foot on the rope low blow tearing and then Oscuro uh, 
you know, Roosh takes off the mask of Penta and they, you know, Roosh wins by pinfall with the schoolboy. And like I said, a very fast paced, kind of just really solid eight to 10 minute match there. And, and it kind of ends with a, like, why is it, why is the taking of the mask necessary? Why? I can understand you hold the rope, the rope down, do that kind of stuff. And, and you the heel your manager and you kind of go from there, but it really doesn't make any sense. And, uh, so make a long, they, they kind of continue this promo, 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 promo. So they come back from a commercial segment. It's Mark Sterling again. And Tony Nese trying to get signatures to remove uh, Swerve Strickland off the roster. And they go to the best friends, which is Orange Cassidy, uh, Chuckle, you know, Muffin Top Taylor, and uh, Trent. And Orange Cassidy says he doesn't do sign anything without his lawyer reading. His lawyer is Dan Housen, which why is Dan Housen in this segment? It doesn't make any sense. And uh, shenanigans kind of go back and forth, and Orange Cassidy and Nice are set up for Rampage. And, uh, and if Tony wins the match on Friday night, Cassidy will will sign the petition, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. The next match, which really could have been cut from TV, really another match that could have been cut from television, uh, is the Austin and Colton Gunn, better known as the Ass Boys, and the Acclaim. Versus Bear Country and Fuego del Sol and Leon Ruffin. Like I said, this match could have been cut from television. Should have been on AEW Rampage. Could have been on AEW Dark or Elevation. Not needed for AEW Dynamite. Terrible, terrible idea to put this on television. Obviously, Colton Gunn and, and Austin, the, the Gun Club, uh are really getting over as a tag team and it shows um and they're working through the whole anthony bowens and matt caster they even interrupt the damn matt caster uh promo rap song and, and it just gets old i like mac i like max caster uh when he does his little thing and it's really nice but at the same time post match of this like i said it's about seven or eight minutes didn't need to be on national television but post match the guns attack the acclaimed Billy runs in to try to pry them off, but turns on the acclaimed and uh, wipes out the Bowens. Or I'm sorry, wipes out Caster. Uh, Bowens gets to his feet and asks for a, the last one, last scissor. And uh, Billy Gunn literally gives him the old school fame asser. And uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense on why they do this next promo either. Is they do a Miro versus Malachi Black promo. And like I said, this second hour of AEW Dynamite is probably the, the most boring segment of all time. So we're going to go into this quickly. Uh, Marina Shafir, Nyla Rose versus Thunderstorm. Terrible match. Probably did not need to be on television. Six or seven or eight minutes tops. Thunderstorm wins. Uh, then they do another promo segment with Tony Schiavone, with Jay Cargill, and Stokely Hathaway. And um, and I, I don't get the whole deal. 
Uh, and then we go to the main event, which really had about 13 minutes to go for TV time remaining. Uh, like I said, uh, really should have, like I said, this match should have gone on longer. Two matches could have been cut, and a couple promo segments could have been cut to have more TV time or put things in different parts of different shows. And this match, Brody King and Don Moxley kind of, in my opinion, performed what they were supposed to do. It just didn't deliver, in my opinion. And it kind of makes the stylistic side of these guys, like with Moxley being the more hardcore wrestler and Brody King being a very, very stiff wrestler and the work the independence in Japan, it, it, it suited themselves very well in this match with a lot of the, the, the way it worked. And you can tell for Brody King or being about 50, 60 pounds heavier than Moxley, it was very difficult for, for big man, even with Regal, with Regal on the announce table for this match, and Regal's trying to put over the size of King, it, it showed that there was a little bit of a issue with some of the moves. This wasn't a technical matchup. It was very sloppy. And... Um, in my opinion, the way that when the way it ended was probably duly noted as why it kind of fell flat was Moxley wins with a bulldog choke and not putting a big man down flat in the middle of the ring, which in my personal view could have been done. Brody King wasn't over with the crowd. He wasn't, in my personal view, some big man getting a huge bunch of momentum. This seriously could have been done differently, and it showed. Like I said, this this episode of AEW Dynamite was like watching a wreck happen. It was really an interesting show because there were some moments where you go, okay, and you go, what the fuck? And that's the nicest way of putting it. This could have been done a lot better in my personal view. And I like I said, I'm still on this really big situation of Tony Khan needs to hire a booker that knows what the hell he's doing. Because right now, these guys all over the place. The way it's formatted for the show is terrible. Promo segment, three fucking promo segments, a commercial break, a wrestling match that lasts eight minutes, three promo segments, back to a wrestling match that's eight minutes, this is not the NWA from 1985, where it's all squash matches. They need to have these TV time. And some of these events can go on other shows. You have two YouTube shows. Okay, you have two YouTube shows. You have two TV shows. Figure out where your storyline is resigned. You can't just sit there and do this stuff anymore. So, guys, that's going to be my review on this show. Like I said, it's still I give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, you definitely have better things you can do with your time. Go ahead and do that because this is definitely not worth the watch. But uh, feel free to uh, follow on Twitter, YankeeCowboy27. Follow me on Twitch at Wilkins-Esports, underscore esports, excuse me. And uh, we're going to continue doing reviews on these wrestling shows because, in my opinion, wrestling isn't something that's not worth watching. It's worth watching, but it has to be done correctly. And I think, overall, that is the most important thing. Like that being said, guys, appreciate the listen. Everyone has a great week, weekend. Hope everyone had a great fourth.
the Yankee Cowboys signing off.